You're listening to the Red Wave Report, the number one rated Fresno State podcast, the official free podcast of thebarkboard.com. The thoughts and opinions are that of the show host and in no way reflect the thoughts and opinions of the university. And now, here's your hosts. Welcome back, everyone, to another edition of the Red Wave Report. I am Lucio Reek, being joined by the publisher of the Bark Board, Mr. Jackson Moore. Jackson, how you doing today? I'm doing well, Lucio. How are you? Good. It's uh, it, So far, the Bulldogs have been able to kind of get things rolling, but it's not going to get any easier this week, is it, Jackson? No, yeah. This was not a game we particularly anticipated to be one of the more difficult ones on the schedule when we... <laughs> Finally got this most revised schedule a little while back, but yeah, San Jose State, they're rolling, they're 4-0, and the next couple of games, San Diego State and Nevada, right at the top of the standings, just about uh, near the Bulldogs and the Spartans, so these next three games are going to be making make or break for the Dogs, and uh, San Jose State might be the best of the bunch, for all we know. They've been looking really good, 4-0, all double-digit wins, so a uh, much different Spartan team than we anticipated. Most definitely, and the Bulldogs are finally starting to kind of get their rhythm, but uh, the last game um, pretty much gave uh, Bulldog fans a little bit of a heart attack there in the first uh, first couple of uh, opening um, uh, possessions for, for Utah State. Um, it was, uh, let's just say, it was a little bit of a butt clincher there for the beginning for the Bulldogs. <laughs> uh, but, I mean, you've been able to kind of, see what was happening there but jackson i mean how how do you explain uh a, you know utah state gets in there one play of scrimmage runs it down for a touchdown bulldogs get the possession go back drive down the field score and then utah state returns it on a kickoff return i, I mean really <laughs> i don't know for anybody else you, you kind of start to wonder what in the world is going on here right jackson yeah, and especially when you you know pair it with the Bulldogs going all the way down the field on the first drive, getting what, 12 yards away from the end zone, thought for sure they were going to score, and then Hayner had his uh, lone interception of the day. Uh, and then all of a sudden it's 13-7, to 7, you're down. You, I mean, you've had two full-length drives, and you're losing uh, by uh, almost the whole touchdown, uh, thanks to the, the block extra point that Evan Williams got for the Tugs. But um, yeah, this was a, a bit of a sloppy game, and it is pretty remarkable that the Bulldogs clamped down and after those two scores only gave up three points the rest of the way. But um, fortunately, you know, the games like this against Utah State, like UNLV, teams that are not the most polished at the moment, um, you know, not as uh, uh, smoothly developed and, and ready to compete this year as some of the other teams in the conference, uh, Fresno State's been able to get away with a few mishaps and, and even pull away by quite a, a large margin like this game. Uh, being uh, an almost 20-point victory for Fresno State. So uh, it was so scary early, but unfortunately this Bulldog team has enough firepower to, to overcome, and we see the defense have spurts, and they've done enough to get the job done as well. Now, it's it. this was a, a Utah team that, uh, a Utah State team, sorry, I don't want anybody to get confused with the other Utah team, um, it was a, a Utah State team that had just lost their head coach, uh, have a their other have their interim coach right now coaching and so they were looking for a spark themselves 
and it just didn't it seemed like they had it there in the in the very first few minutes of the game however the bulldogs were able to kind of kind of figure that out and get it under control um do you think maybe the bulldogs were just you know trying to get used to the altitude and also uh, the the effects of not having a crowd at all, kind of, all those factors have got to, you know, play into what was going on here. But uh, that and the, the fact that the Bulldogs haven't really practiced much up until this point, um, <laughs> do you think a lot of these factors are starting to kind of factor in as to what the Bulldogs are looking like early on in games? Yeah, you know, I think the, the cold weather may have been the big one in this game. I mean, it was, what 30s i think they said it felt below 20 or around 26 or lower <laughs> to, to kick off so i mean it was, it was definitely cold and not something the bulldogs have been used to and i think uh, what last week that was one of my biggest concerns about this game was starting slow uh, because of the cold weather and referenced uh, hawaii had a similar uh, situation at wyoming earlier this year um and then you looked at utah state we have an interim head coach who has done that before for the aggies he actually led them to a big old blowout bowl victory a couple of years ago. And so there was maybe the idea that they would rally around him. And Fresno state just had almost a disastrous situation in the first, uh, the first quarter giving up 13 points on one play from scrimmage, but um, perhaps the weather, I mean, they just got blown up for the 86 yard run on the first play. And you know, their kick returner has actually ran back a lot of kicks in his career. He's one of the leaders of the nation. Um, so, that can happen. It's not necessarily the biggest surprise that happened either, but um, it was impressive that that disastrous of a scenario played out early and it didn't seem to phase the Bulldogs really at all. They uh, put up three more touchdowns to get some separation by halftime and really controlled the game in the second half. It wasn't pretty with all the punts <laughs> with back and forth between the two teams, but um, I mean, once they settled in after the first couple of plays, uh, the they seem to not necessarily play a complete 60 minutes of football, but uh, they did control the tempo of the game and that's all they needed to do to win this one. Yeah. And, and the Utah state was looking for answers themselves after, you know, starting off fast and then all of a sudden struggling in the rest of the game. Uh, I mean, their quarterback did all that he could um, their, their starting quarterback and in breaking news that just was just reported yesterday uh, that the starting quarterback for Utah state is no longer with the team now, Jackson. So <laughs> what have you heard about that in the situation that Utah state had there? Yeah, that one's a, a strange one. They showed them on the, the TV broadcast having them. He was definitely frustrated. It sounded like he was letting some people hear it. And uh, the official report was that he was dismissed with um, a violation of team rules, you know, the very generic thing. So we're not entirely sure. Uh, other things have said that a uh, verbal dispute with a teammate, which still seems pretty extreme for um <laughs> a player to get kicked off, you know, we don't exactly know the full story there. I know some of his family members have even taken the social media to defend him there. Um, but I think it just kind of shows a bit of a mess that's going on there at Utah state with the coaching change, just uh, three games into the season. I mean, they've got, they actually, um, the reports just came out as well this week that they have a, had a COVID spike. They're not going to be able to play this week and hopefully uh, that doesn't impact the dogs. Hopefully, that whatever is going on there happened after Saturday. Um, but yeah, it's a, a weird time there at, at Utah State for sure. 
And uh, fortunately, Fresno State was able to, to not let things snowball the other direction where they got a lot of momentum early on. They got in and out of there with the win. And um, yeah, they don't have to worry about the Aggies anymore. Yeah, and things are uh, things are starting to look like the Bulldogs are maybe kind of getting things figured out, at least from the quarterback position. Um, you know, Hayner did have that interception in the beginning of the game, settled down, and ended up ended up throwing for over four hundred yards in this game. Uh, you know, after watching what Hayner's been able to kind of kind of settle in, Jackson, what's what's your grade on him now moving forward? Yeah, I mean, he still has the uh, mistake here or there. Uh, a lot of people notice on the interception, he had a, another receiving option that was much safer and an open option that uh, would have at least kept the Bulldogs with a chance to get points on that first drive. But um, he did settle in, uh, had a big day, obviously going over 400 yards with four touchdowns. I know he still had some uh, question marks here or there uh, in the second half when the Bulldogs really got out of rhythm on offense and um, it was interesting to see the Bulldogs stick with Jake Hayner all game long. We talked to um, Coach uh, Ryan Grubb, the offensive coordinator, uh, this morning, and uh, he explained because of the cold weather, something you know we just talked about. That it does take a little while to get into into a comfortable spot, and so he didn't want the quarterbacks necessarily going in and out. And uh, Hayner put up enough numbers where they didn't feel like they needed to make a switch at all. So something to keep an eye on this week when should be a little more warm in Bulldog Stadium on Saturday. Uh, but you know, he looked good. I think it is a, a testament of um, the coaching ability of Kalen DeBoer and Ryan Grubb. They've got the offense in a good spot, very productive. They went over 500 yards again as a team. Ryan Rivers continues to get his touches. Jalen Cropper had a breakout game. And so, I mean, things are definitely working on offense enough to get them over that 35-point mark. And they should win most games when they get there. And then uh, on the opposite side, he talked about the troubles Utah State had and uh, reports were that um, Coach Dave Schramm actually ended up calling the, the offense for Utah State. He's a running back coach, and uh, the Aggies apparently had uh, their coordinator out with COVID. So uh, we know uh, Schramm is a, a bit verbal when it comes to coaching, and maybe that had something to do with the, the blow-up on their sideline as well with the quarterback. Yeah, I mean, things are, are starting to kind of pan out a little bit for the Bulldogs. I mean, you mentioned uh, Cropper had a, a big day. I mean, finally, I, I mentioned last week, uh, waiting for that one receiver to kind of have a, a breakout moment, and lo and behold, here comes Cropper. Uh, I don't know if he was listening to the podcast or what, but uh, all of a sudden he comes out with three scores on this one, and all three scores were very impressive. Uh, um in an impressive fashion, so to speak, you know, one deep, another one diving into the end zone. I mean, uh, looking at what uh, uh, what Cropper has been able to do, Jackson, do you think this is going to be more of what to of what's to come this season from Cropper as he starts to kind of find his groove? No, I think so, and there has been an added emphasis from the coaching staff. I know Cropper wasn't quite all there the first week, but. Uh, Coach Grubb had mentioned to us uh, this morning that um, they actually targeted Jalen nine times against UNLV is what he said. And there's been a lot of plays that have been designed to him that haven't worked out or the defense keyed in on him. And so they, the, uh, uh, the read went somewhere else on that play. But uh, it all worked out against Utah State. I believe he had 11 targets, caught 10 of them, had over 200 yards, three touchdowns. So 
uh, definitely all uh, came together in this game. And then you still have Josh Kelly, who had almost 100 yards in the touchdown himself, got freshman of the week in the Mountain West, which is pretty remarkable. Uh, so I think they're going to continue to go to Crocker, but we may see that even uh, open up the offense a little bit more where teams are going to focus back in on him and it opens Ronnie to do his thing. It opens uh, other receivers like Josh Kelly or uh, Carrick Wheatfall to get open. So I anticipate Cropper will be just as involved, but I don't know if we'll be seeing another 10 cats, 200 yard game anytime soon. There's probably going to be a, uh, that's going to have to be a perfect storm where the defense gives the Bulldogs those looks. But um, as mentioned, it's definitely an emphasis to get him the ball and, uh, we'll see because as mentioned they tried to do it the last two games and we're all sitting here saying where's Cropper and they were trying to do it and the numbers weren't there but uh, definitely happened at Utah State and we saw just how much he's come along as a receiver again uh, he played a lot of quarterback in high school and so he has all the raw talent but it's been a little bit of a work in progress becoming a polished receiver and I'll say anyone that can catch 10 balls for 200 yards and three touchdowns is polished enough for me to, to target that guy a lot. Uh, first time someone's had 200 yards since uh, Devontae Adams, first 10 catches since, uh, and three touchdowns since Keyshawn Johnson. So uh, Croppers did it all as just a sophomore. And uh, I mean, very excited to see how, how much further he can take his game from here too. Yeah, absolutely. And I think as as Cropper starts to kind of get his footing, he's only going to get even more dangerous on offense. Um, in one thing I, we haven't seen much of is the the end arounds from from Cropper that he did uh, all last year, which he broke quite a few of them for long runs. Um, but you think that probably other teams are probably looking for that now from last season uh so they're kind of shutting that one down don't you think jackson yeah you know i noticed a little bit earlier in the season they were running that play or, or variations of it um i don't know if it was a um a decoy or a run pass read option but um yeah it looked like they put him in motion and just the ball didn't go to them on this play so yeah he's only carried the ball in a rushing capacity three times for 25 yards on the season. Uh, we've also seen them pitch the ball forward to him, which is, I mean, almost basically the same play as an end around, but um, from the shotgun where they just pitch it forward. So those count as catches. So we don't uh, see those separated in the stats, but um, yeah, there is also the possibility where the proper beating guys downfield, the secondary backs off of the press a little bit more. And all of a sudden he's got more space when they do hand them the ball off in the end around. So I think you know, the more success he has downfield, it's going to just open everything up for this offense that uh, was largely based off of Ronnie Rivers the first few weeks. And now uh, we see the passing game and several receiving options, Cropper, Wheatball, uh, Kelly, all starting to emerge. And uh, at some point you can't cover everything if you're a defense. And then that brings us to Ronnie Rivers. As you mentioned, Ronnie is... Uh, for whatever reason, it looks like he's getting stronger as the season's going, Jackson. Um, I, teams, no matter if they load up the box or what, uh, it looks like Ronnie continues to run them over, so to speak. Um, is this going to be more of the trend from Ronnie? As we can see, he's put on some muscle this season. Um, he continues to just run people over. Is that is that going to be what what to expect uh, the rest of the season here for, for Ronnie? Yeah, I think so. I think Fresno State's gotten to a point where they really like him to touch the ball 
know, at least 25 times, and he got 31 touches total in this game. I think you're going to see just every game him get somewhere between you know, 20 to 25 carries and then about another five catches. And that's where they're really comfortable with him at. And, uh, you know, he's averaging, he averaged five yards per carry against Utah State. He had the 128-yard run. And, I mean, they're just going to keep feeding him the ball to help move the chains. And uh, every once in a while, he's going to break the big one. But uh, it's not just that he's been carrying the ball efficiently. He's also been making life difficult on opposing defenses. He's, I think, uh, tuckering some guys out that are trying to have to tackle him and not succeeding <laughs> play after play. And um, that's been a big difference in Rivers' game so far. Um, you know, only had the one touchdown. Uh, and it's, you know, one touchdown's great. <laughs> but when you're on Rivers and you're scoring four or three, one doesn't seem like a whole lot. Uh, so uh, for this game, I think Rivers opened things up for the other guys. And now it's, uh, they return the favor with the passing game. So, uh, again, everything, you know, it hasn't worked for a full 60 minutes, but it's been a very dynamic Fresno State offense. I think everything has kind of caught, caught some success as far as finding success downfield with the passing game, both deep and short, running the ball. Um, you would like to see them be a little bit more consistent, but when you have well over 500 yards and 35 points, it's, it's tough to complain, even if uh, you did punt the ball seven times. Um, it's a little hard to wrap my mind around all that, but... Um, yeah, so they're, they're going to make life tough for opposing defenses. And they've got two really good defenses coming up that are, are really going to put that to the test. Absolutely. I mean, the, the next game is not going to be an easy one for the Bulldogs. But uh, watching this game, it looks like uh, the the struggles at offensive line continue for the Bulldogs. Um, is this – I mean, is this – what it is going to be for the this season, Jackson, or are they going to start trying to move some pieces around to try and, and shore up some things? I mean, the running game is still being successful, uh, regardless of how uh, the offensive line is doing. The passing game is, is continuing to move. However, there has been too many broken plays from the offensive line, and one has to begin to wonder if the coaching staff is going to have to make some changes on the offensive line to try and, and shore things up. Uh, have you heard anything, or what's your thoughts on on what's going on with the offensive line? We did see some more of Tyrone Sampson last weekend, so that is one option. I think he's the guy they have the most confidence off, uh, of off the bench. He's the former four-star recruit from Michigan uh, who's just a redshirt sophomore still. But um, he spent most of his career at the center, and they've tried him at guard and uh, they've had a little bit of success in spurts with him, so maybe we'll see them continue to rotate him in and out or – uh, maybe even see him get a start, um, but um, you know. Otherwise, I think it kind of is what it is. I mean, again, you have over 500 yards and 35 points. You feel pretty good about your offense, but when you give up three sacks, and you know, there's plenty of other examples where Jay Kaner snaps the ball, and before you know it, he's running either backwards or or sideways, east and west, trying to make something happen on the play, and you just can't have that, and that disrupts drives uh, for sure. But if the Bulldogs can have a few of those a game and still survive it and put up big numbers, then I mean, kind of, you just have to live with it. And that's the best you're getting out of your own line. Um, but that's where I think we're going to see what they're made out of in these next couple of games because defenses like San Jose State and San Diego State are going to be less forgiving. And we'll see if those plays go from making games like Utah State and UNLV 
more competitive to going from wins to losses with better teams that they're going to face the next three weeks. And uh, it's hard to imagine them seeing a, uh, an overhaul overnight, whether it be just by on-field success or by personnel changes, but it's definitely it's below what the standard's got to be, and it, it could end up costing the Bulldogs a lot more seriously coming up. Oh, absolutely. I mean, if they, uh, you know, the next few games is not going to be a, 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 you know, a piece of cake for the Bulldogs, uh, they're going to have to uh, really clamp down on a lot of issues. San Jose State has now proven that they are a force to be reckoned with in the Mountain West so far this season, coming in to Bulldog Stadium 4-0. and um, and from what I hear, a real tough defense. Um, so the Bulldogs are going to have to kind of get that figured out or they're going to be seeing Jake Hayner on his uh, backside quite often <laughs> in this upcoming game. Uh, but before we start digging into uh, to the San Jose State game, uh, on the flip side of the ball, uh, Fresno State's defense, again, you know, they let a, a key play at right at the beginning go Um it's, it looked like there was a, a several Bulldogs out of position on that long run for a touchdown, uh, but then they were able to recover and clamp down on on points. Um, was it just a little bit of a, a confusion on that one particular play, Jackson, that just led to that long run on a touchdown, or were they just not ready <laughs> for, for, for the game to begin? Uh, I don't know, Jackson. What do you think? Yeah, I mean, they – that first play wasn't too complicated. Just kind of ran it up the middle and went all the way to the house with it. And I, I watched the replay several times to try to figure out what broke down. And I mean, yeah, it was just, I mean, they got beat deep on that one. And uh, the second and third levels of the defense, they just weren't able to have the speed or pursuit angles to, to recorrect it. It was already too late. Um, and then of course you can't blame them for the kick return on defense. So then uh, from there, I mean, you have to give them a lot of credit, only giving up three points for the remainder of the game. I mean, if you take that long run out of the equation uh, for Utah State, they only had 3.2 yards per carry the rest of the way. Quarterback Jason Shelley only went 9 for 24 through the air. Uh, what was most encouraging to me was that Shelley only had uh, eight total yards of offense or uh, rushing offense at the quarterback position. That's where the Bulldogs had really gotten burned by other teams was that quarterback run. And uh, Utah State didn't have that nearly as much. Um, so, yeah, I mean, it was kind of a an overall effort. You had a lot of different guys pitch in on the tackle for loss and the sacks, and no one really had a huge statistical game out of the defense, but you just had a lot of solid performance across the board uh, after that first ugly play. <laughs> Fortunately, they didn't uh, let it get them down. And uh, that's been another thing as well, you know, other than, the quarterback run, which is more of a schematical breakdown, you're not seeing since the Hawaii game any um, you know, mental concerns about this defense. And usually you think about defensive backs when you think of that. And Fresno State had a lot of questions at the defensive back positions going into this season. And um, it's it's not cost them. They haven't gotten, you know, they, they've only given up, what, two plays, I think, over 30 yards through the air all season. And it was one in two different games. It hasn't snowballed. It hasn't uh, shaking anyone's confidence back there. So that in particular is going to be big against the San Jose State team that's going to love to throw the ball around and uh, really test the secondary in a way that they haven't been yet this year. Yeah, the the defense, yeah. <laughs> that's all I can say. <laughs> it, it, you know, if 
if they're able to kind of get things put together and really just, uh, you know, clamp down on things, then then they give the offense a, a fighting chance to to continue to put up a lot of points. Um, I, I think they I don't know if the defense did themselves a favor by letting those two early scores go by quickly because that meant the Bulldogs offense was going to be on the field a little bit longer, uh, tiring out the uh, Utah State's team uh, defense. So. I don't know. Kind of worked in their favor a little bit there, Jackson, didn't you? I mean, the other teams on the field a little bit longer, they're going to start to break down, don't you think, Jackson? <laughs> yeah, and you know, it certainly helps to have not having the defense out there as much in elevation, which is always a concern when you're at a team like Fresno State going to one of these mountain schools for the first time or the rare time of the season. And I mean, yeah, I mean, you look at the <laughs> at the drive chart and the way Utah State they scored 13 points in a hurry, but um, you know, they only had that one play in the first, what, almost the whole quarter practically. <laughs> so, uh, you know, it's tough to get in the rhythm offensively when you're like that. And you look at their ensuing possessions, they went three and out, fumbled. They had two, uh, two more punts on possessions that were four plays or less. So, you know, it's really no wonder why their offense got off track. Um, I mean, they'll take 13 points over any amount of offensive plays, <laughs> but uh, yeah, they, they certainly didn't get into rhythm once it was finally time to make some plays that were uh, less than 80 yards <laughs> in the game for them. No, I mean, it, it, scoring fast is nice, but sometimes it backfires on you. <laughs> <It's>, <laughs> uh, and in this instance, it did backfire for, for Utah State um, uh, just by the sheer of just not having the touches on the ball. Uh, out there on offense, but it made the Bulldogs look bad early, but they ended up recovering quickly on that one. Now they're not going to have that luxury uh, going into Bulldog Stadium this weekend as they face San Jose State, who is now four and zero. That that just doesn't sound right, Jackson. Um, <laughs> but San Jose State's coming in four and zero against uh, the Bulldogs, and they had a. a a blowout win against UNLV last week, uh, 34 to 17. Um, but, uh, they've, they've really taken care of business up until this point. And now they're going to be facing the Bulldogs and let's just face it. Neither one of these two teams really like each other. Um, so Jackson, I mean, you, you cover San Jose state more than anyone else I know. So, what do you know? What does your crystal ball tell you on this game? What what do we expect to happen uh, when these two teams go together? Yeah, San Jose State. It's been a surprise for sure. Um, I mean, they had signs that they were on this route last year. I mean, they they went five and seven, which is certainly not great, but it was a big improvement from the one win they had the year prior. Uh, they went to Arkansas and won. They went to Army and won, and that was Army team that had beaten them fifty-two to three the season before. Um, of course, they beat Fresno State to finish the season seventeen and sixteen, and their last five losses were all in conference by ten points or less. They uh, squandered the finish at UNLV last year. They had a lead on Boise State in the fourth quarter. Nevada had to kick a game-winning field goal, so. This was a Spartan team that was close and not quite there. And they did have the Mountain West Offensive Player of the Year last year and Josh Love, who graduated, and that was kind of the thing for me that made me think, you know, that's probably going to offset whatever leap they might make this year. But the quarterback position has been uh, the biggest key for them offensively, where they brought in Nick Starkle, 
who was a pretty big recruit out of high school. He went to Texas A&M. He went to Arkansas. He actually threw five interceptions in that game where the Spartans beat them uh, as the opposing quarterback in that game. And then he comes to San Jose State. And, I mean, he's been pretty much lights out for Spart- the Spartans right off the bat. Uh, San Jose State has three really good receivers that uh, all pitched in for over 2,500 yards last year, and they're all back. So he's had a lot to throw to. And then um, even in the win against San Diego State they had where he was knocked out of the game almost immediately, uh, the backup, Nick Nash, led the offense to victory uh, as more of a runner, uh, which probably scares Fresno State more than anything the way that they've struggled with running quarterbacks. They, they don't hesitate to put him in for a few plays. Uh, so they've been able to not skip a single beat on offense, which has really surprised me. But the reason that they've gotten over the hump, in my mind, is the defense. Uh, it's the same 3-4 scheme they've been running. It's a lot of the same players. But they added some junior college transfers to the line. And uh, as we know, when Tim DeRuder was here running his 3-4 offense at Fresno State, it's pretty hard to recruit the defensive linemen needed uh, to execute that defense the, the way that you would like in the Mountain West. And uh, the Spartans have three junior college defensive linemen that have added a lot of beef, uh, two from the Valley that have gone a long way. And they've got two defensive ends that are back that have really taken a step forward with Cade Hall and Viliami Fajoko. Uh, those two guys have been sack machines. They actually sacked UNLV seven times last weekend. But much like Fresno State, they know how to get uh, pressure in the backfield. And um, so, I mean, you look at both sides of the ball, there's a lot to be concerned about. And, um, you know, for Fresno State, if you have as much firepower as you do, you feel like you can win just about any game, but this is also going to be one where they're not going to be able to survive nearly as many mishaps or, or key broken plays like they have the past couple of weeks. Yeah, I mean, the Bulldogs are definitely going to have their hands full in this one. The key, I think, the the key matchups are going to be Fresno State's offensive line against that defensive line that you're talking about, um, whether or not the Bulldogs are able to sustain those blocks uh, to allow Hayner to to ha- have the time to to complete his passes, but not only that, to open up those lanes for, for um, Rivers to get through. Even though Rivers has been running over people, um, having a hole to get started is really going to help him uh, be successful in this game. How do you think the the offensive line and the defensive line are going to match up here in this game, Jackson? Because definitely, I think that's going to be the key for this game. Yeah, and I think, I mean, you look at the pass rush that San Jose State has had. They're in Fresno State, number one in the nation in sacks right now per game with 20 in four games. It's incredible. More than they had in 12 games last year. Uh, but the Spartans aren't far behind, and They've been equally as good against the rush. Um, you know, Air Force is a team, obviously, that runs the ball down people's throats and has specifically done it to San Jose State over and over uh, the past couple of decades. It had been almost 20 years since San Jose State had beaten Air Force. And that was uh, the Spartan season opener. They held Air Force to six points total, which was really kind of the statement that that defense made right out of the gate. And then you look at San Diego State, uh, they're averaging 280 rushing yards per game, and that is even with San Jose State holding them to 101. Um, the the Aztecs, I mean, they did not get a lot going on offense. They only averaged 2.2 yards per carry. Um, but if you are Fresno State, uh, there is one good sign. Their San Diego State star running back, uh, Greg Bell, still rushed for 109 yards at 4.4 yards per carry. Um, it was just 
they had nothing else going in the run game and uh, the sacks that San Diego State took uh, will also eat into those numbers. Um, so I, I think this is a game where Rivers can hit his numbers. He won't be maybe far off compared to what a normal defense does, but um, it's going to be a lot harder for Fresno State to break the bigger plays. Uh, and it's going to be a game where Hainer's going to be vulnerable to big losses like we've seen in some other instances that uh, make the rushing numbers look worse than maybe they are. Um, so it's a, a very valid concern for Fresno State. Um, you know, I, I don't think San Diego State is, or San Jose State is fantastic in the secondary. They do have solid defensive backs, but uh, Fresno State can certainly test them with their offensive weapons. And uh, Kyle Harmon is the guy at linebacker for San Jose State that's really cleaning everything up uh, as far as tackles go. He's uh, averaging uh, 13 tackles per game, I believe. So, uh, I mean, it's a pretty well-rounded defense, and it's going to be tougher to run. But I do think there are some openings for Fresno State to have success as well. Uh, probably not 35 points or more worth like the last couple of weeks, but enough to compete in this one for sure. Yeah, I uh, I. I expect to see um, maybe a lot more uh, end arounds to Cropper in this one, just to keep the uh, the the defense honest. Uh, you know, if they're if they're stacking the box and 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 really keying in on Rivers, then all of a sudden you're pitching it to the outside to Cropper. Now you have a whole another dynamic to look out for. And I, I don't know, Jackson, you think that might be a possibility where they kind of try and loosen up the defense a little bit for the run? Yeah, it could definitely be the case. Um, you know, I think Fresno State, well, they didn't have Cropper last time they went to San Jose State last year. So that's a, an added element. The Spartans haven't seen that dimension of the Bulldogs offense. So that would certainly be a good time to deploy that. Um, but yeah, you, you want to make sure you, you get into favorable situations. You know, you don't have any big losses on first down. Just keep, I mean, that's what Coach DeBoer and Coach Grubb really preach. So this is a, a game that they should be able to grind out in a way that uh, they didn't have to the last couple of games, but um, I mean, San Jose State's going to look to make them pay at, at any point possible. And they're a, a confident defense, which is something Fresno State hasn't seen in the last couple of weeks, and uh, a group that's going to be a big challenge. But uh, again, uh, they haven't seen the kind of weapons that Fresno State has either, especially in the passing game. Uh, and so the Bulldogs also have a chance to uh, do some things that uh, some other teams have not been able to do so far. All right, so keys for this game. What do the Bulldogs need to do in order to to win this game? What what do they need to key in on, and what they you know they really need to work on in order for for them to come out on top on this one? I think defensively, the the biggest concern for me is a guy that might only be on the field since Tony snaps the, the backup quarterback uh, Nick Nash that I've mentioned. I mean, he is a, a very impressive runner and he can pass the ball well enough to where you can't just focus in on his running ability. Um, but last week, uh, he ran the ball eight times for 94 yards. <laughs> That's 11.8 yards per carry. Um, they even had a play where both quarterbacks were in the backfield and they handed it off to Nash. And the reason why that's so important to me is because the Spartans, the one weakness they have is that they can't run the ball very well uh, traditionally uh, Nash is their leading runner of the entire team um, their traditional running game has not been very successful and I think Fresno State's shown enough with their pass defense they haven't been beaten a lot this year 
Um, I mean, this is going to be by far the best passing attack that they've seen, but uh, they've been able to keep everything pretty much in front of them. And, and if you can at least make them one-dimensional, that should give the defense a, a much better shot in this game. Uh, you just take away Nash's running ability whenever he's in there. Uh, I think the Bulldogs have plenty to, to get the job done in the box with the rest of the defense against uh, San Jose State's substandard running game. And if you just make a one-dimensional, you can survive some of the success in the passing game and not let them have a huge passing day. That should give the offense more than enough chance to, to outscore San Jose State. Um, and then offensively, I think we already touched on it. You've got to avoid um, the issues at the line of scrimmage because if the Bulldogs can't protect the, the you know, Hainer at quarterback and they can't develop running lanes for Ronnie Rivers, then all that talent they have on the, at the skills position is all for none. It's not going to do much for them. Um, so those two keys, if they can get that done, and you know, of course, turnovers is always a concern. But um, San Jose State has not had many of them. Uh, Fresno State since the week one hasn't had a lot either. But um, I think Hayner and Starkle for San Jose State, for that matter, have um, had the mistake here or there, and this is a game where that could cost either team potentially. And so you've got to make sure that you don't have the, the big mistakes because it may only take one or two to flip this game. Absolutely. And of course this game is going to be the, it looks like it's the last game uh, being played by the mountain West. So uh, all other games are going to be uh, pretty much decided by the time the Bulldogs and San Jose take to the field which could mean a lot for both of these teams because the way the Mountain West is looking so far this year it is uh it's still pretty tight um and as you mentioned last week Jackson it's going to be the top two teams no matter which conference you're from um or which division you're from so to speak so it's the top two teams of the Mountain West overall are going to be facing each other in the uh, Mountain West Championship. That's going to be kind of weird. It's So whoever's champion is going to have a little asterisk next to them, aren't they, Jackson? <laughs> I mean, uh, it's, it's, it's going to be an odd year because if two teams from the same division face each other, then that's going to be kind of weird, don't you think, Jackson? Yeah, and uh, right now Boise State's really the only team from the mountainside that's uh, in position and I don't think it would surprise anyone to see them make it but you've got Fresno State, San Jose State, San Diego State and Nevada uh, all from the west the traditionally the west side right there alongside Boise State in that top five that's really starting to separate themselves and this is going to be a, a bit of a separation weekend. You've got uh, San Jose State and Fresno State of course 4-0 and 3-1 and you've got Nevada who's 4-0 playing 3-1 San Diego State. That game got moved to see the network CBS broadcast because the SEC game of the week uh, got canceled. And then uh, kind of outside looking in, you have Hawaii at two and two taking on Boise state. Um, you know, if Hawaii takes a third loss, you don't really have to worry about tiebreakers anymore for sure for the Bulldogs. Even if you drop another game, if you lose more than two, you're probably not in the conversation anymore anyway. So uh, that could work out for the Bulldogs favor. Um, and then the bottom half of the conference is basically not playing <laughs> because uh, the Mountain West has had two cancellations already. Uh, Utah State has had a COVID spike since Fresno State played them. They're not going to play this weekend. And UNLV, uh, their game against Colorado State has been called off as well today. Uh, UNLV just played San Jose State. So you really, really hope 
cross your fingers that uh, none of that crossed over to the Bulldogs or Spartans this week uh, so that at least they can continue playing uh, for the foreseeable future. Um, yeah, but the the top six teams in the conference right now all playing each other, and uh, we'll learn who's for real uh, after Saturday. Yeah, it's definitely going to be one of those uh, interesting weeks this week. Uh, I mean, you've got those two teams you got San Jose and Fresno State, a lot of implications in this game, but then you also have San Diego State and Nevada and a lot of implications in that game as well. So those are going to be the probably the top two games to watch this week. Uh, again, if you don't already know, San Jose State takes on Fresno State here in Fresno uh, at 4 p.m. Pacific time, and it will be on CBS Sports Network. Uh, then you've got San Diego State and Nevada take uh, in Nevada and that game will be aired 1230 uh, p.m. Pacific time on CBS. Uh, so those those uh, are probably the top two games to watch. And uh, I don't know, Jackson, a little a little bit of prediction. What do you see out of the San Jose State game in Nevada? Do you think uh, you think that's going to be a nail biter on that one? Yeah, Nevada and San Diego State both ha- having a lot of momentum. Uh, San Diego State really surprised me that, I mean, they were 10-point favorites against San Jose State, and they lost that game by 11 with the Spartans having their backup quarterback. Um, so I don't know if it says more about San Jose State being good or San Diego State maybe being a little overrated. <laughs> I don't know. Um, but they have just absolutely dominated everyone else they played this season, including Hawaii last weekend. And they have just run wild against everyone and won in lopsided fashion aside from that one day against San Jose State and then uh, Nevada has been cruising as well they had a a tough overtime win over Wyoming in the season opener and then uh, a pretty solid run where like Fresno State they took care of business against UNLV and Utah State and uh, they kind of squeaked by New Mexico who might be a little bit better uh, than we thought uh, this past weekend so um, you know, two teams that look pretty evenly matched. Um, the spread is uh, San Diego State's favored by one and a half as the road team. Um, but, I mean, that's going to be a, a close one, pretty evenly matched, much like this Fresno State-San Jose State game will be. And I can see any of those teams winning from that group of four, uh, however those games turn out this weekend. Yeah, I mean, that's going to be a good one to watch as well. So people might want to tune into that one prior to watching the Bulldogs uh, take on San Jose State. Uh, Like I said, that one's going to have a lot of implications as to what's going to happen uh, moving forward in the Mountain West. Uh, But also in breaking news, Jackson, Air Force might actually get to play a game this week. (laughs) they, They haven't played a game in what? three weeks <laughs> so they might actually actually get to be able to take to the field and against new mexico this week and you know like you've mentioned new mexico is really not as bad as people think they are uh even though they're zero and four um that is very a very deceiving um record for new mexico because they've been in every game that they've played this year yeah and two of those losses uh one at San Jose State, who's undefeated, against Nevada, who's undefeated. Uh, they just barely lost to Hawaii, uh, who's 2-2. Two and two, And, of course, Bulldogs know all too well about Hawaii. Um, so, yeah, I mean, they're competitive. And I think the good news regarding Air Force is that their sideline period uh, due to the COVID cases appears to have passed. Um, they missed two games. And I think that 
maybe a good sign for the Mountain West. I mean, the other schools are now entering that issue. Uh, UNLV, it looks like, is, is going to have trouble in Utah State as well. Um, but uh, if you can get your guys healthy and everything resolved within a week or two and, and get back into action, uh, that uh, looks to, to be a good sign for the Mountain West as far as not being sidelined for too long with some of these um, missed games. And it is going to be important uh, soon because you have teams like San Jose State that, and um, that hasn't played UNLV. And if you have games that are canceled, or excuse me, they have played UNLV, but um, I mean, if you have teams that can't play and, and that's going to change the number of games that a lot of teams are playing, uh, it makes the, the tiebreakers a lot trickier and, uh, and really take, makes things unbalanced. The Mountain West is going to do everything they can to get the top two teams of the, the conference a fair shot. But, um, you know, right now Fresno State's been moving together pretty smoothly, granted everything. And these next three games, if they can play them, will pretty much dictate whether the Bulldogs are one of those top two teams or not going through San Jose State, San Diego State, Nevada. Um, so, uh, the top of the conference is starting to separate itself and if they can just get through for a few more weeks uh, we should have a, a fair decision on how the champions are, are crowned yeah and and then also it, other good news for air force is that that game earlier on in the season uh, against army that was initially canceled has been changed from canceled to postponed so it looks like Air Force is still going to get another game in, at least uh, against Air Army um, in this this season, and that was one that I I found it hard to believe that they were not going to play that game because that's such a great rivalry between those two teams, right, Jackson? I mean, at least at least we're going to be able to see that rivalry game, which is always kind of uh, fun to watch between those two teams. Yeah, and I think because Air Force's odds of making the conference championship are, are pretty low right now with an 0-2 start, I think they're looking for that same weekend as the Mountain West Championship to, to play that game, if I'm not mistaken. So uh, silver lining for Air Force, uh, despite an 0-2 start against uh, two teams that are essentially going to be playing in that conference championship game with uh, Boise State and San Jose State both undefeated. Um, the San Jose State loss certainly doesn't look as bad as it did uh, three weeks ago. Yeah, so that's that is going to be uh, some good news uh, as things start to to pan out. You know, of course, this is a very shortened season, uh, so there is not going to be much more of these games that people can uh, that teams can can try and shake things out. I mean, it right now every game counts, every single game counts this season because of the shortened season. So as these top teams start to separate themselves, the bottom teams are already starting to figure out that they're almost mathematically eliminated at this point, uh, which then kind of changes things for, for their perspective. Um, at, at some point, Jackson, you know, let me play devil's advocate here. If, if, you know, if you've got these bottom teams that are, are, you know, way out of actually making it, do do you consider shutting it down because of COVID? Uh, because you're not having that much success out on the field. The, you know that could be something that's kind of creeping into some of these universities' minds. Uh, so, what what do you think the odds of that happening is, Jackson? You know, I think they're going to do everything they can to play. And I think there's enough riding with the TV contracts, even if it's 
two of the the bottom teams of the conference if they can get it on TV and, and make some money on it. That I go for it. Um, maybe the one question mark in my mind is might be New Mexico because they're still operating out of Las Vegas and they might get to a point where you know if they're zero and four, zero and five, and some of the upcoming opponents are dealing with COVID issues, maybe they do send the guys home. I, I don't know. I don't want to speculate too much on it, but I think it would be plausible. Um, so uh, only probably the, the very rare circumstances would that happen without in, in program COVID issue of their own. Uh, because again, if you're, you know, as, as we've looked, it looks like if you do have an issue, it's probably going to take you out for maybe two weeks. And if it happens in the next couple of weeks, that might mean the rest of your season and there's no uh, makeup games available with the way the Mountain West scheduled this season. And um, there's not a lot of bull bids to go around, so uh, it wouldn't be uh, unheard of if uh, someone has to shut it down and just say they call it a season if it's an issue in the last two weeks. And that could play in the Fresno State because they do play New Mexico in the very last week of the season. As things currently stand, that game will probably be played at Sam Boyd Stadium in Vegas with no fans the way New Mexico has been operating. Um, but the the other side of it is that um, tiebreakers are going to be decided by the lost column. So Fresno State, if they were to move to six and one or seven and one, either way, with that New Mexico game or not, uh, hypothetically, it wouldn't cost them anything. And so, uh, in fact, they wouldn't have to risk <laughs> dropping a game un- uh, unexpectedly in that last week, and they wouldn't get hurt by it either. So. Um, it's something to watch, but uh, I foresee the Mountain West playing as many games as possible, whether the teams are seven and zero or zero and seven going into that last week. Yeah, good, good job, Jackson, hitting my curveball. I mean that that was <laughs> that was me playing devil's advocate there and just just trying to put you on the spot on that one. But that uh, it it has creeped into the back of my mind as to what some of these teams are thinking as they get into the second half of the season. Uh, whether or not it's even worth continuing to play uh, with the, uh, you know, the the chances of the COVID spreading in their states. Um, we all know what's going on here in California. Uh, most of California has moved back from, they have moved from red to the purple tier once again, uh, which does not bode well for all the local restaurants and things like that, which means everything is getting shut down once again um, for these local shops and restaurants and things that is going to start to play a factor when it comes to uh, playing games and gathering this many people. Now, granted uh, it seems like sports is, they have their own regulations, so they're able to gather more people than, than the normal is regulated in the state, but you know, one has to be mindful that this could very well play a major factor in the second part of the season for the mountain West. And I only had to throw that one at you, Jackson. (laughs) It was only fair, (laughs) but uh, I mean, things could start to tighten up even further moving forward in the, as we head into the holidays and definitely you would, I, I bet Jackson, you'd hate to see that happen uh, from a football standpoint uh, for the the Mountain West, right, Jackson? Yeah, and um, the potentially good news for Fresno State is that uh, I think the timing of the schedule has worked out well. Of course, um, you know, hopefully everything 
you know, there's no side effects from playing that Utah State game, but they got it in before uh, the Aggies apparently had their outbreak. Um, the next two games are going to be at home against California teams. So as long as none of those teams um, have any sort of issues between now and uh, Thanksgiving weekend, I mean, those games should be played uh, without a problem. Even if there's restrictions, they wouldn't be traveling out of state. And uh, the last two games, the Bulldogs go to Reno. They go to uh, what probably will be Vegas to play New Mexico in that weird situation. So, I mean, they can pretty much uh, bus travel here on out. Uh, I mean, they're only crossing one border to get to Nevada for those last two games. So uh, it's as uh, favorable geographically as you can ask for if you're the Bulldogs going forward and just cross your fingers that they can get through these next four games. And uh, hopefully that turns into a fifth game in the conference championship and maybe a bowl game. But um, if they can just play out the Mountain West and, and have a champion determined fairly and hopefully Fresno State's in it, uh, I think you feel pretty good about how it turned out, all things considered. Absolutely. So things Things uh, here's to looking forward to things shaking out for the rest of the season for the Mountain West, uh, and hopefully um, things can start to to move in the right direction as far as the COVID is concerned um, for everyone. So um, that being said, Jackson, uh, we're getting ready to kind of shut down the podcast. Any other news you want to share with uh, the listeners? Uh, we certainly do have a uh, promotion going on, um, a quick flash sale. If you get on it by Thursday at 9 p.m. Pacific time, that's how long it'll run till you'll get 50% off a year of Barkboard VIP, uh, Barkboard Premium, uh, however you want to call it. And uh, this is also good for our monthly subscribers that are uh, paying month to month that might want to make the jump to the annual subscription. You'll save uh, 50% off that for the next year, so something to consider there. Um, sorry if you, if you missed it, uh, if you're listening to this on, on Friday or before the game Saturday, but uh, I'll probably keep an eye out uh, as far as Black Friday goes. We usually have something going on there as well, something to look forward to. Um, and again, that's good timing this year because you're still getting a critical point of the Fresno State 2020 season, as well as basically all of the 2021 season next year. And... Um, everything in between recruiting and all, all the other sports so um, always a good time and uh, especially now the way Fresno State football has been able to bounce back this season and uh, things are looking bright with the recruiting class going forward so uh, something to look into there if you just go to barksport.com you'll see that promotion uh, front and center on the homepage. you can't miss it Alright, so if you're looking for Jackson Moore, you can find him on Twitter at JacksonMoore247. You can find me on Twitter at Red Wave Report. Uh, go over to our Facebook page, look for the Red uh, not the Red Wave, but look oh, look for the Barkboard.com Facebook page. Uh, become a member. We've got quite a bit of following there. Um, and also if you would like to uh, check out the Barkboard.com, we've got our premium boards and our free boards. Uh, Lots of information being shared there with fans and uh, a lot of premium information being shared on our premium boards uh, where you can get the news before anybody else does. Uh, That being said, I want to thank everyone for joining us and join us again next week as we continue the ongoing coverage of Fresno State Athletics.